Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Booth Podcast. I am Reese Shonsby, joined as always by Davey O'Doyle. How's it going today, Dave? I may have sang on another podcast before, but I'll go again. We got that ride of pride, a feeling deep inside. It's ride of pride, ride of pride. We indeed do have that rider pride, and we are rolling as the riders here, trying to clinch that playoff spot. A win this past week against Edmonton puts the riders one step closer to that beautiful, beautiful home playoff game at beautiful, beautiful Mosaic Stadium. So I have a question then regarding the riders for you. Okay. I have that rider pride because it's a win. You know what I mean? A wins, wins, win. That's how yeah. she goes. But it was kind of ugly to watch. It sure if, was. If, if you watch that game, they shouldn't have gave Edmonton nearly anything that they got. It was a little ugly to watch. Do you think that's a bad sign going into it? Or do you think they took Edmonton lightly and they just know that they're kind of cruising because they have a playoff date already set and they're just, just waiting to play out the games? I feel like I've seen this story so many times where you see a team that's hot red hot team walking into a garbage team stadium and you underestimate them. And it's almost, I almost think like you can't, you can't underestimate a team anymore. How do the riders walk in to common shitty Commonwealth there and, and, and underestimate an Elks team who sure only has two wins on the season, but you can't, they're a pro football team. You can't underestimate them, but I feel like that's what happened. Yeah. I hope so. Right. It's just the thing. Like, I know, I know it's Edmonton. I know it's regular season. You don't have the, the urgency you have in a playoff game, but like if you do anything near that collapse they had at the end where they let them get all those points, you're going to get beat if that's a different team, right? So oh, for sure. you pull that against that. Yeah, you pull that against Calgary or Winnipeg. Well, shit, you're down 31 nothing real fucking quick. Right. Um, but a win is a win is a win. And the Riders got their win. They are one game away, one win away from clinching that home playoff game at Mosaic Stadium. It would be the West semifinal, West final, locked up long ago by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That happens this week with a win by Saskatchewan, win or tie by Saskatchewan versus Edmonton again, or a Calgary loss or tie versus BC. So we will see what happens. I feel like this week, I feel like, like if you underestimated Edmonton last week and that was the problem, you're going to shit stomp them this week when you're not underestimating them. I feel like hopefully it's a Saturday game at three o'clock. I don't know what the weather is supposed to be like, but it's been pretty nice in Saskatchewan. Honestly, all things considered for November. So like, hopefully it's a nice day and we can get maybe not a packed stadium, but a full stadium at home you know, bring them out like they always do. And hopefully the riders are a a little bit more lively than they were just walking into shitty old Commonwealth stadium, you know? Yes. I'll I'll tell you weather, weather report, not looking the best, not looking the worst for Saturday, November 13th. You got sunny and plus one. Oh, that's great for November. That is amazing for a November football game. That's great for November. Yeah. So that, that will be a delight in Regina. You bet. Looking back on the week that was in the CFL was a very predictable week. Predictable, yep. Predictable it was. We started off the week with Hamilton and BC. That was probably our most important game of the week. Hamilton looking to clinch his playoff spot for them and the Montreal Alouettes with a win versus the Lions, eliminating the Lions from the crossover scenario. Right. Which... They did. Hamilton pulls off the 26 to 18 win. Hamilton and Montreal have now locked up their playoff spots. I've, I've watched a bit of that Hamilton BC game the last, I think it was the last half of that game. And the thing we've been saying, if you actually watch the Ticats play, it's just so blaringly obvious. That defense is so pump full of juice. They're, they have a good play caller, I think. The game was well play called, I think, by the offensive coordinator there. And like the Ticats, they're just rolling, man. Oh, that team's getting hot, like we said, at the right time. And there's a good chance that those guys 
as we'll get into next week, could get a big win and very realistically lock up first place in the East, right? Oh, for sure. You look at just looking at the passing stats for Jeremiah Masoli, and he has turned it on at the right time. Uh, he did miss quite a few weeks to injury this season. Um, but when he came back, shit, he was on fire. In the past, let's look, four games for Jeremiah Masoli. We have 361 yards, 320 yards, 357 yards, and 258 yards. Wow. Uh, in those games, you have two, four, uh, seven, eight touchdowns, and zero interceptions as well for Masoli. Zero interceptions. That's the big one, right? No turnover. That, that's the huge one. I don't you, – you know – you can't – I don't think you could give it to him, but he's making a case for himself for that that MOP discussion. It's it's a shame that he did get hurt, right? And yeah. he had a little bit of a rough start to the season because he's coming to form now in what would be if he could keep this pace up all year and MOP performing like year, right? Definitely. I think the thing that impresses me too about like Hamilton is during that game, I think it was Dane Evans had a plunge touchdown – and, like, for a guy that's the backup quarterback that last year led that team to a great cup, for all intents and purposes, he could be a little bit a little bit sour on the fact that he's yeah. not the starter. You know what I mean? Definitely. And he had a plunge touchdown, and he was absolutely out of his mind, so excited about it, celebrating with his teammates. And you know what I mean? It makes you think the culture in that room is right. If your backup quarterback is that excited about scoring a plunge touchdown, like, this isn't a guy who never touches the field. This is a guy who he said last year, led them to a great cup appearance. He's a good quarterback. And the fact that he's still so bought in and excited that on that plunge touchdown, he can celebrate. You know what I mean? It's a good sign of things for Hamilton. And that's a team to watch out for. It sure is. I think right now, if I had to pick who's the team that at some point could beat Winnipeg, all my chips on the table, I'm saying Hamilton right now. I think... My, my, hopefully not, but maybe a great cup rematch in sight there for the Ticats. Well, we can we can hope for a 2013 rematch too. Yeah, we, that's what we will hope for, yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on to the next game we touched on briefly was Saskatchewan and Edmonton. Uh, Saskatchewan comes into uh, Commonwealth Stadium looking to force the Edmonton Eskimos to go winless at home for the first time in team history. And they get it done with the 19 to 17 win. Poor Edmonton, 0 and 7 at home. Again, first time that the Edmonton football team has ever gone winless at home. Get a better stadium. Maybe they'll care more. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I thought about this. I actually have been to Commonwealth once. Okay. It was the Great Cup game. In, it was a Great Cup game in 2018. I forgot that it was there. Oh, it was yes. the uh, Calgary and Ottawa game. I yes. remember I was at that one. And now that I think about it, I remember thinking like, man, this field is like kind of like a shittier, like old mosaic stadium basically yeah. is what I thought at the time. And I was a hundred percent right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but all, all trash talk aside, 1917 is a very flattering score for the Elks because they were not in this game for a lot of it until the riders let off the gas at the end, which we discussed like, Hey, I think they just took them lightly and they won't again, but, I still want to see that offense, you know, a few more big plays, a little bit more consistency because not a particularly good team and still just 19 points, right? Yeah, yeah. It sure, sure was nice to finally see hook up on the long ball, Fajardo to Duke Williams. Yep. Just a beautiful play. And honestly, the first connection over 20 yards, I feel like I've seen in – a good few weeks from the riders. Yeah. Um, they look good. The riders, I would say, look good for a portion of the game. You got to the end, they took the foot off the gas, and it didn't look as good. That defense, though, still looks very good. I I'm I'm concerned about the offense a bit, I'm not gonna lie, but I think like the attitude, um, I think it was this game that they showed. Uh, Nick Marshall, where they showed it on TSM where he was baiting a throw so he could get a pass deflection. They wanted a pick, but he got a knockdown anyways. 
I think that's a lot of what our defense does at this moment is I feel like they are just playing a little bit soft and just to, you know, conserve their bodies. Cause I feel like they're even a better unit than they've been showing in the last bit. Still a better defense than that. Right. So yeah. I feel like in the playoffs, that'll, if they're healthy and they put it on full throttle, that, that unit's going to be something to be trifled with. That's, that's the thing is you just said healthy. This is a team that has been so bothered by injuries all year. Currently on the Riders roster, 17 players on the six-game injured list. Yeah, That's a big list. Yeah. So you look at six-game, hopefully you can pull some of those guys off the six-game in yeah. time for playoffs, and then you're a different team than we're seeing right now in these games versus Edmonton and yeah. Calgary in the past weeks. Moving on to the next game of the week that was in the CFL, we had Toronto and Ottawa in a tighter game than I think most people thought that would be. 23-20 to 20 for Toronto was the final. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, you got to give Ottawa some credit to know that your season is absolutely done. You're not playing for any reason at all besides pride. And you go out there and you face the east leading argonauts man he really put up a hell of a fight honestly could have said they deserved to win that game because they did they played well and you know what i mean like tough right it is tough it is tough i sure i was not watching that game intently off and on on that saturday afternoon but geez i I just listening the radio and, and keeping an eye on the scoring i was really thinking ottawa might pull that one off and Mike like said, from what I was seeing, I, I saw, I think I also saw the second half of the game. They look good enough that they deserve to win, right? It's just yeah. Toronto's just a different caliber of team, unfortunately, that Ottawa is. And they picked it up when it mattered at the end. So, I mean, that's what that is, right? Yeah, definitely. And then the game that almost was, almost was all that we were hoping for. But it ended Winnipeg 31, Montreal 21, and we couldn't get that damn Winnipeg loss that we all want so bad. Yep. Uh, That game was – the thing is, like, the Alouettes looked like they could have won that game at a couple different points, honestly. And it looked really good. And then the stat that, of course, everybody's been watching, no points allowed by the Bombers this year in the fourth quarter. And in the fourth quarter, they absolutely closed the vice grip on the Alouettes. And that was about it. But it was a pretty inspired little effort until then. And it makes me optimistic that Trevor Harris and Eugene Lewis and William Stanback, who's a real man running the football, maybe have something up their sleeve when uh, Winnipeg comes in into Montreal next week. I, th- I think you're right there. I think we saw a game that, Gave us hope. Yeah. Gave us hope that Winnipeg can lose a game. And can that be this week? Do they have to go across the country to Montreal and maybe lose a game? Could it happen? The more I watch the Alouettes, the more I really like their, that run game, especially with Stanback. Stanback, in a lot of ways, not completely, but in some ways reminds me of those two or three really prime years of Jerome Messam. Just maybe he's not quite as big, but how how wide he is and how powerful he runs, you know what I mean? Like Stanback is a powerful runner. Of course, he's of course the top rusher in the league this year. And like that's a guy who you don't want to have to tackle. Like Derrick Henry in the NFL basically is the equivalent, I guess. You don't want to have to tackle that guy in the cold weather, right? So exactly. be ready for that whenever you play uh, Montreal coming late. Definitely. When we talk about an East nominee for MOP. Yeah. And you, we throw the name Jeremiah Masoli out there. Can you say Jeremiah Masoli has had a better season than William Stanback? I don't think so. I think I think that would definitely be William Stanback's race to lose right now in the East. Yeah. And that wraps up week 14 in the CFL. As we said, Montreal and Hamilton add their names to that playoff picture, leaving only one spot to go. Will it be Calgary? Or will BC pull off the Cinderella story and snatch that out of Calgary's grips? What a strange year when you look at the actual records. The fact that BC might make a playoff game and they what they'll have seven wins. 
yeah. if they win out. Like, I mean, it's a shortened year, sure, but seven wins, it just seems so minuscule when you think about it, right? Six wins. Six wins is the best they can do. Six they, wins. The, the, if they do end up making the playoffs, they will make the playoffs as an under 500 team. Oh, yeah. I mean, the CFL's weird and, like, that could win a great cup as weird as it is, but like under 500 teams, that just doesn't seem right. You know what I mean? It's like when the it's like when that, when the Washington football team makes the playoffs, everyone's like you won seven games, right? Kind of similar. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll talk scenarios here a little yeah. bit um, for the playoff picture. We can get, if the right outcomes come this week, the entire playoff picture before the last week of the season. Do we hope that happens? Not always. Uh, I mean, it'd probably make this podcast a little bit more interesting if there's something to talk about for the last week of the season, right? Sure. And I mean, and and I mean, I don't want I don't want Calgary to make it at all. So I'm I'm rooting for Michael Riley and those BC Lions to rev up. Yes, I sure am too. So yeah, let's talk West Division first. First of all, like we said. A Saskatchewan win or tie or a Calgary loss or tie. And Saskatchewan will host the West semifinal on November 28th at Mosaic Stadium. Oh, boy. Let's cross our fingers, right? Like, I mean, it looks like we have a really good shot. We should beat Edmonton again. Hopefully, like I said, we don't let them back into the game at the end. But that game wasn't actually that close until the fourth quarter. So... I'm pretty confident that we'll probably lock this one up. Uh, I, I am too. I think when you play a, game, a team the week before and you do some things wrong like the Riders did, you're not going to make those mistakes again. Against the exact same team, you're not going to make those mistakes. So I would say I am 93% confident in the Riders this week. That's where yeah. my mind sits. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'll jump on board with that. Um, uh, move over to the other game in the West this week, which would be Calgary and BC. A Calgary win or tie, Calgary will clinch a playoff berth. Um, if that did come with a Saskatchewan loss, Calgary would still have a chance to host that West semifinal at McMahon Stadium as well. <laughs> I mean, let's just, we could hope just BC wins, right? Let's just flat out hope for that. I mean, not that, I don't think we'll need it. Like we said, hopefully the Riders will just play good football against a bad team and win. But I'm hoping for the Cinderella run from the Lions, and then hopefully we're the team that snaps their dreams, right? So it would be nice. It would be nice. Uh, We'll move over to the East Division. If Toronto wins or ties against Hamilton, they will clinch first place in the East Division and host the East Final on December 5th at BMO Field. If Hamilton wins, they will clinch a home playoff game. That would be up in the air still, which game that would be. They would still have a chance to overtake Toronto for the first place in the East I think that'll be an interesting game. I'm excited will, to see that game. Yeah, that's probably the most interesting game on this schedule, ramification-wise, because those are the top two teams in the East right now. This is their fourth game of the year. If Hamilton wins at all, they have the points, and they move ahead of Toronto and put themselves in a very good spot to host the East final, which means Hamilton hosts the East final, one win and they're back at home for the great cup, right? That's a lot of hype going around two weeks two the, the two biggest weeks of the year in your building. That's comfortable, man. You're, if you're Hamilton and you get that, that, that East final, you get that bye week you get to sleep in your own bed. You get to sleep in on your bye week have a nice relaxing bye week You get to go in, play your East final at home. Sleep in your own bed. Stay home. Focus. You win that game and you get to go stay at home for the Grey Cup. You just- I mean, that's that's a thing that, like, maybe, maybe we will get to talk about it later on. 
But I think a lot of people don't actually know and take into consideration how much differently it is preparing for a game like the Great Cup. I imagine it would be. And like just trying to make it another week, you know what I mean? It's not just another week. You have so much media, you have so much hype, there's so many nerves. And then the fact that you have to stay in a hotel, that's not your house with your ritual, with your surroundings, with your fridge, your food, that kind of thing, right? But it can be for Hamilton this year. So that's that's a thing. Maybe we'll talk about it later. But I just know I've wrestled lots of places, not slept in my own bed a lot of times, got up the next day, done it again. And it's different than getting up in your own bed, sleeping how you want, making what you want, going to your own gym, running on your own time, and then going to the show, right? It's a lot different. And I imagine that'd be a great feeling for those Ticats. Oh, I'm sure it would be. Uh, the other scenario for the tie cats would be a Montreal loss would also clinch them a home playoff date. Right. So in the scenario of solidifying the playoffs this week would be Calgary win, Saskatchewan win, Mm -hmm. Toronto win and Montreal win would give us the final playoff picture don't even need to play week 16. So then all we talk about in week 16 is, <laughs> is Toronto's magically awful schedule going to week 16, but we'll save that for next week's show. Yes. Um, we'll see who gets that coveted CFL first overall pick. Will it be Edmonton? Will it be Ottawa? Oh, man. Um, here's – so last week – we tried to talk CFL awards <laughs> and I don't know if we didn't have the sample size or what it was this season. It was not good. No, we were sure it wasn't. It was not good this week. Let's keep it at home. Let's keep it at home. Okay. Let's go yeah. through our awards and let's talk about the Saskatchewan rough rider nominees for each award that I think we can pull off. I, I'd hope so. Yeah. I hope we could pull that one off. So yeah. let's start it off. Don't have a choice for this one. Coach of the year. <laughs> Make your case for Craig Dickinson to be coach of the year in the CFL. In the CFL. <sighs> I don't, I don't, I love Craig Dickinson. Man. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I don't think he's a, he, this year he's been a better coach then O'Shea, I don't think he's been a better coach than Kahari Jones. And I'm not sure if he's been a better coach than Orlando Steinauer. Yeah. Um, I do even say Dinwiddie in Toronto, right? This is his first year. Like, there's a lot of candidates that are up there for a lot of different reasons. And it's not at all that Dickinson's been bad. It's just I don't think he's been the best coach this year. Definitely. I think the only case you could make for Craig Dickinson being coach of the year is – Let's look at the record, eight and four. That's a great record. Good enough for second in the West with 17 players on the six game injured list. The way this team is not me saying that he doesn't deserve it. Right. Oh no. But I think that if you had to make a case, it would be the way that this team has dealt with the injuries and dealt with the adversity. And that would be your, the case for Craig Dickinson to be coach of the year. I don't think it'll happen, but I can dream. Yeah, we can dream. We can definitely dream for a green awards night. Yeah. Uh, let's let's move to offensive linemen. Most outstanding offensive linemen. Okay. Um, hmm. You see, the thing is, like, there's been a lot of change in those tackle spots. Yeah. So I almost don't think anybody could win it from the tackle spot. No. So then that just leaves Dan Clark and then our guards are what? They're Furland. And our other guard has that changed a bit too. It has a bit too. I feel like everybody's changed except for Dan Clark's just been in the middle the whole time, right? As Evan Johnson has taken some snaps at that other guard spot, I believe another Sask boy. Um, But yes, this offensive line has rotated so much this season. There's been so many guys in and out and so many guys making their first starts and, playing snaps that we didn't expect them to play when we had a guy like Brendan Labatt sit out the season for COVID reasons, not going to 
harp on a guy like Labat for that. Make your decision. This is an odd year. Right. Um, definitely he made, your he choice. Thing, right? he, he made his choice, then just respect it, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think if I were to pick, I'm biased. I'm a big fan of Dan Clark, but I'm probably going to go Dan Clark with this. He is that only vet we really have on that offensive line this year. And we can argue that maybe it's not been the best performance of this whole line, but they still got this team. The offensive line is such a big part of the wins you get in a game. And this team has eight wins. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the thing too, right? It's like, He's not, isn't he's never, I never look and say like Dan Clark cost us that Dan Clark's the guy pointing out the schemes in the middle. He's the steadfast veteran voice on that offensive line. Definitely. I'd say for my vote, Dan Clark is our offensive lineman for sure. Tell me what would have to happen for Dan Clark to be out for a game. This man fights through so much. Yeah, he'd have, he'd have man, to tear something, right? Like, he'd have to legit tear something in his legs. Right? This man got ejected from a vehicle last offseason. Oh, yeah. Crashed his car, ejected yeah, yeah, out did. of the vehicle, was back two weeks later, start week one. Yep. What a, what a man, hey? What a man. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to defensive player of the year. You're a big defensive guy. Who do you see on this defense that? Stands out to you. It's weird because, like, at different points, I've thought different guys. Because in that first little quarter of the year, it looked like, wow, Woodard's really had himself a year, but he just hasn't kept it up since then. AC Leonard has been in and out, but it's been really hot in the last end of it. But I don't know if he's been there enough to say that he's been defensive player of the year. Dion Lacey at middle linebacker has been solid. Maybe he's not putting up the numbers that, you know, like Williams is in Ottawa or making the plays at Big Hill is, but he's solid and he's been, he's been there. Um, Micah Tights has played really well from the Will linebacker spot too. Very well. I would keep his name in mind as well. I'm looking at a little sheet right here and people are saying the early pick is for Luchez Pirafoy. Do you think that's the best pick? I think... I think Purifoy has also kind of kind of broke through some adversity here this season, getting his entire position moved on the field. Um, but I'm just I'm I'm looking for his stats here, and how many interceptions does he have this year? I think he just this. I think he has one or two. I think that's it. One or two. Like that's. I mean, that's, that's third on our team. I, I read. I read this. I read this little article that I pulled up, and it said it's because he's played halfback, linebacker, safety, and corner this year, right? Yeah. So I mean, I understand that. If you want to give him that, sure, I can definitely get behind that. He's played great, and he's played a lot of positions. But I think for me, my pick would be Micah Tights, just because he's came out of nowhere, never been a starter, and just played had a com- great solid year for us. Yeah, I, I think I'd have to agree. If I had to throw another name out there, GCL, Ed Gainey's a, a solid, a solid defender. Absolutely. Year yep. in, year out. Yep. He's got three interceptions, which is tied for second in, in the CFL. Um he's got his his 33 uh defensive tackles, which is which is great from that DB spot as well. Right. Um, but I think when you really look at it, it's gotta be tights. He's having an excellent year stepping into some big shoes to fill and cam judge from yeah. last season. Um, I think when you look at this defense, there's not too many guys that pop out like you see on a Winnipeg right. where you have those, those, those stars, but this defense works as such a cohesive unit that is still one of the best in this league. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that has to do with Jason Shivers, his scheme and where, how he's using his guys. I think that's an underrated part of the defense is actually the planning of it. You can talk about all you want about the field, but when I watch this defense that has every reason at some points to really collapse and they still haven't, that's something about the coaching, right? Yeah. Oh, just, just watching how his mind works. 
I'm so confused when I see AC Leonard dropping back and at, at linebacker. Right. And then Jacob Dearborn gets a pick on the same play. And I'm like, I, he's on the field. What's happening? I don't even know. It's amazing. Yeah. Right. Backup safety gets a pick, right? Like, yeah, I love it. I love, I love this defense. I, I love Jason Shivers. I think, don't think anybody's getting the award this year, but no, but yeah, like I said, for me, it's tights, but yeah, I could, I could hear right. arguments, right? Well, can you hear any argument for anybody other than Keon Schaefer Baker for the Riders Rookie of the Year? I I don't think for rookie. Like, I can't even think of another guy who's like up there for it. Honestly, I think if you had to throw any name in there, it would probably be Logan Furland. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he could be the runner-up, but when you look at the impact Schaefer Baker made, especially with all those the Shaq Evans injury before Duke Williams was around, right? He was carrying the load for a lot of that. And he definitely deserves to be our outstanding rookie. I I think Schaefer Baker has a good chance to win the actual rookie of the year. And that's the only award for the riders. I can see really clearly, like we could probably win this one. Yeah. I think I'd agree. I think, I think a guy like Logan Furland has had an excellent year. I don't think he's missed a start this year. He's, solidified that guard spot for us. Yep. But Keon, I, I would say right now, Keon Schaefer Baker has been the most outstanding rookie in the CFL. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sorry, Logan, but you can't beat out the best of the best. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Canadian. Um, for me, Canadian goes back to Micah tights. I think you can make yeah. the argument for Schaefer Baker as a great Canadian. Cause he has been fantastic. I think you could even maybe make a little argument maybe for Dan Clark or even Brett Lothar, who's got a lot of work this year. But I still think, in my, in my opinion, Micah Tights from being a relative unknown special teamer to being a solidified, good, solid will linebacker has been the biggest jump for me. I'm most impressed by it. Yeah. I think it's always fun when you're, when you're a fan of a team and you see this guy coming up in the wings and you're like, oh, this guy's great. We love him here. We love him in this city. Yeah. And now he's getting put on notice by the league. Mm-hmm. And and now he's he's a name that people know around the league. It's always you always feel good for guys like that. Micah Tights is one of those guys. I think he's definitely our nominee for most outstanding Canadian as well. Mm-hmm. Um most outstanding special teams player. Where do you see I mean, that going? Do you do you see any argument where it's not Brett Lothar? Like that guy has had a sheer volume of kicks this year. That's been wild, right? I don't. John Ryan's been fine. Yeah. Um, but like the returners, I mean, we we floated through a lot of returners at different points this year. Yeah. Like not just Moro, right? So I mean, for me, it's Lothar. But I think it's Lothar. I think I could have seen a scenario where it would have been John Ryan. Uh, right. he's, he's man, that guy's a freak punting the ball. The dude yeah. just has a cannon for a leg. And I could have seen a scenario, then he got hurt. Now you're missing the end of the season, and that's awards time. That's when people are looking, and I don't think he can beat out Lawler for that. And I think the thing, too, is like during that slump of time where offense wasn't really cooking, there was a lot of times we could get the ball into that field goal range, and Lawler had a lot of work there, right? And a lot of those games you can look. And you can divide it by three and just realize how many field goals he kicked for yeah, us. Exactly. Well, you, you got to think about it different in the CFL versus the NFL with those, those uprights being at the front of the end zone. Yeah. So now you're looking at your range gets pushed back a little bit. If you have an NFL caliber kicker, right. Which the riders do in Brett Lawther. Right. So now you're kicking you get that ball just about to midfield. Well, get five more yards and we can kick a field goal. You can start thinking about it, right? Yep. This is a good headspace to be in, the knowing that you don't have to always punt or leave points off the board, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, yes, I think for that and a couple other reasons, Brett Lowther would be the Riders special teams player of the year. Yeah. And now the all important, the coveted, most outstanding player where do you see that i mean 
it's hard not to just go with your quarterback yeah, in this yeah. spot. He's been at points. He's really been the only piece of the offense that really has been cooking a lot. You know what I mean? Like, I think we haven't used William Powell yet to the way we should have used them for the kind of back that he is. But a lot of that might be the offensive line and trying to work around that as well. But like I said, there's a lot of stretches where Fajardo seems to be doing all he can, where even when he shouldn't be is throwing his body into harm's way. I just don't know how you don't give it to Cody Fajardo. Yeah. I think you're the only other argument and it sucks again, because a guy's season cut short by injury would be Kyran Moore. Right. Um, yeah, I can see that. I, I don't have the stat in front of me, but, and I'm sure he probably still is leading in it, but Kyron Moore was leading in yards after contact for receivers okay. by a lot. Just thinking about how many of those little swing passes we were running earlier in the season where he would catch it and just make one man miss immediately. Yeah. Yeah. He was, I, I could see it, right? He was having a year. I, I could see a scenario where the riders still give him the, the nomination for the award, yep, even though his season has been cut short. Yep. Uh, just as, just as a sign of respect towards Kyran there. Yeah. And that wraps up the Saskatchewan Rough Riders 2021 awards predictions from the Booth Boys. Do you think we mentioned Schaefer Baker? Do you think any of those guys win their respective award or like the, the West nominee? I guess. Being the West nominee, I, who, Schaefer Baker, obviously, yes. I think yeah. he'll be the West nominee and he'll be the overall winner right. for rookie of the year. Ooh, geez, that's tough. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I do. I don't think any of these guys are going to beat out guys from that Winnipeg team, from, yeah. from some of these other strong West teams as well. I think that's, the riders. That's, that's what I'm thinking too, right? Even when you think about a guy like a Canadian, they have so much talent. They even, if you don't want to give it to one of the backs, they still have Mike Miller, just exactly. a special teams monster, right? They just have so much. I think there's a good chance for Winnipeg there that Mike Miller is the West nominee for outstanding Canadian and most outstanding special teams player. Yeah, like I said, I could, I could very easily see both of those, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So with the conclusion of that, let's look ahead to week 15 in the CFL, kicking it off with probably the most interesting game of the week. The battle of Southern Ontario, Hamilton versus Toronto. This game right now, looking at the line is a pick Okay. This is take your team. Who are you taking? Um, for the reasons I mentioned before, and because I think they don't want to have to leave it up to chance, they'd rather have the season series with a win. They'd want to get that East final. And like I mentioned, all of the style, of the facts, the culture, the hot upswing by Masoli, the hot upswing by that defense, I think it's going to be Hamilton. I think they're looking for a little bit of revenge going into Toronto to really – put the nail in the coffin of Toronto that they have been the better Ontario team this year. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think just no matter the outcome in this game, it's going to be real interesting, but I do think like we've been saying for the past two weeks, Hamilton is getting hot at the right time. Mm -hmm. And I, I have a hard time seeing a team that would take them down easily right now. And I don't think Toronto is going to be the one to take them down. I mean, especially not that it's not that you can't say like, oh, you have some bad weeks, but they played a closer one than you'd like with Ottawa. If you're really going to be the, the alpha dog of the East division. So, I mean, keep that in mind too. When you think, oh, if you see Hamilton come out and lay a whooping down, remember what we said here. Yes. Yes. I did say this would be the most interesting game of the week. This next one may be a little more intriguing to some. Because it has the last playoff spot up for grabs. Oh, yeah. Okay. We have Calgary. We have BC with, I'm sorry, Saskatchewan residents who want to watch this game. It kicks off at 9.30 p.m. Holy fuck. Thanks to all these fucking weirdos and their time changes and bullshit. (laughs) I guess we're usually like 
it wrapping up the year almost in playoff time by now. So like yeah. we don't ever have to sit there and all oh, our regular season game at nine 30. Hey man, is that game on Friday? That's on Friday. I mean, I'm not doing anything Friday, but I don't know if I'll watch that one. Exactly. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. That's pretty late. Man. Um, I, I, I kind of think Calgary will win, but for app for the absolute hope that BC rides out and knocks them out, I'll pick BC. They're yeah. going to be at home. They're going to be at home. And this is an absolute do or die situation for them. I hope that they just come out with all that urgency. And they get a win. here. Yeah. I, I, I love your enthusiasm. I don't know if I can side with it. I, I just don't. Oh, I want BC to win so bad. Like um, I said, I don't actually think they're the better team. That's a lot of just optimism, no. right? Yeah. But yeah, I think Calgary will probably go in there. I hope for a good game. I think yeah. these these two teams are more evenly matched than some think. I think yeah. there's definitely I see scenarios where BC wins this game. There's not I a think majority. The problem, but... the problem with that is just like I think it takes a lot more of a perfect game for BC to win. Whereas like Calgary has some room for mistakes, right? They have some yeah. of their big receivers back. They've had a really good run game actually with Kadeem Carey. And that defense has been really tightened up in the last little half of this year. So, I mean, Calgary's looking on the uptrend. Hopefully they get knocked down a peg, right? Yeah, that would be nice. That would be very nice. Speaking of getting knocked down a peg, could we see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers get knocked down a peg finally this week when they head out east to the Seagull Hut in Montreal? I honestly think that I'll pick Montreal, not just because of hope, because of how good they played and how tight they played Winnipeg for that three quarters last week. I think the energy is going to be different with Trevor Harris getting another week to get into that playbook, to get on page with his guys, to get Eugene Lewis ready, to get Stanback at home ready, knowing what this game means. You can lock up even more lock up your, yourself in a better position in the playoffs. And Winnipeg has nothing to play for here. They're not in Winnipeg feeding off that IG field crowd. You know what I mean? I think this is this, there's a recipe here where the Alouettes win this game and I'll pick it. Yeah, I think, I think I agree with you. I think this is a game where Montreal's got a real shot at winning. Winnipeg, we might see start to – ease off a little bit this week right. trying to keep guys healthy for that 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 west final at uh ig field um this is a time of the year where every player on that field's got some sort of nagging injury and you don't want to yeah. to hurt them in a game that doesn't matter so we're definitely gonna see winnipeg start to back off with only two weeks left in the season and montreal's gunning to try and get a home playoff game still so yeah. One team has a lot to play for. One team has nothing to play for. And I'll take the team that has something to play for. Well, let's and let's hope that a double dose of Winnipeg here is the magical recipe. Or a double dose of Montreal story <laughs> is a recipe for Winnipeg to lose, though. Yeah. And then we get into the, I don't know if we can really call this the meat and potatoes, but as the Riders fan, I'm going to say, we're going to get to the meat, meat and potatoes here with Edmonton. Coming down the road to Saskatchewan. I would like to see, like I was mentioning before, I think this defense is better than they've played. I think they're kind of waiting for it. I think at home, with maybe a little bit of that memory of that fourth quarter in mind, the Riders' defense will tighten up, and hopefully the deep ball stuff we saw this week from Fajardo will continue our line We'll get a little bit more confidence, you know, in the trenches, slash them up a bit. Hopefully Powell gets some carries. And regardless of how this game goes, it's going to be a rider's win for me. But I would just like to see progression, right? Yeah, definitely. I think we're seeing the right mixture for the riders here. We're seeing Duke Williams starting to learn that playbook a bit better, starting to get his head back into the game after not playing for a, a good little while. We're seeing Shaq Evans getting back into form. He's he's healthy. He's feeling good. He's back in the swing of things. We saw it last week. I, it may not have been the greatest game for the Riders. I felt like Shaq Evans had a great game personally. Yeah. 
it was definitely nice to see, especially him being so new. And you know what I mean? Get, getting that 50-50 jump ball. Yeah. Big beat before the halftime. That's good to see. We need that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think Saskatchewan will turn it on here. I think this won't be nearly as close as 19 to 17 was. No. And I think the riders will lock up their home playoff game at Mosaic stadium. Let's go. It'll be good. Uh, before we leave you here, I think we got to go into the little bit of the sadder news and say our thoughts and prayers are we're with the family of Angelo Moscow. Um, CFL great former WWE star and you definitely definitely will be missed by many yeah all you hear about that guy is good stuff right everybody yeah. loved him he was so ingrained in that Tiger Cats culture right he was their their legend that they bring back always right yeah. Toronto always has seems to have before he was involved even pinball Clemens will come back the riders have a guy like like Reed is always around right yeah and it seemed like for Hamilton, a lot of the time, their guy was Angelo Mosca, right? He was always banging the tie catch drum, always there to rile up the crowd when they'd bring him on. I mean, that's a guy, football and wrestling, that's a guy from my own heart. So uh, rest in peace to him and everybody feeling impacted by that loss. Yeah, I think it's hard to, when you hear Angelo Mosco's name and just think of that, <laughs> that few years ago it was at, at Grey Cup and... <laughs> Him and him and Joe, old man Joe Cap get into it on stage, and Joe Cap hits him with one right in the jaw, and yeah, man, with the little cane exchange and swing in the cane, yeah, man, <laughs> that's that's an all time great fucking retired guys just brawling it out at Grey Cup every year. If you watch Sports Center and you watch the TSN coverage of the Grey Cup stuff, you will see that. You will see that clip year after year, and I'm sure you'll see it a good few times. As we remember the band that Angelo Moscow was. Yeah. And we'll end this on a lighter note too. As a couple of alumni here, we are raring to go for the Weyburn Eagles this week. Weyburn headed to the Saskatchewan 5A Provincial Football Championship game for the first time since 2009. Oh man, look oh, at those guys go. Boy. That's that's wild to me, man. Because I mean, when we played, we were what? Maybe two. your your senior year was better than ours than mine was, but two, three win team, that's kind of what the Eagles were for a long, long time in the time that we played. And then to see at the time he was our offensive coordinator, Coach Kerr take over that team and just I've Launch them back into prominence, man. That's great to see. You love to see it. Let me throw some stats your way from the semifinal game versus Saskatoon Bishop Mahoney. All right, let's hear it. Uh, ben Mickle, yep. running back for the team, 139 yards and a touchdown. Oh, Austin right. Nupp also had 160 yards rushing and a touchdown. Quarterback Ben Manning threw a 16-yard pass to Connor Touchdown pass to Connor Kerr earlier in the game and also added a good few rushing yards. The Eagles finished the game with 433 rush yards. I mean, you think about that. That's that's not a regular season game. They had 400 yards rushing on the 5A champ from Saskatoon. Yes. that's This is a big game, and they put up over 400 rushing yards? Holy I, smokes. I hate to say it, but I was kind of, I saw them like, oh, yes, semifinal game. Good for the Eagles getting to this point. Win it, win in your, win in your, um, the, I believe they call it the rural football league now, this 5A rural football league. It's no longer called the Moose Jaw Minor Football okay, League. But the Moose Jaw League, we were in it anyways. Well, the Moose Jaw League. And then you think about it, and there's way more rural teams than there are Moose Jaw teams in the Moose Jaw yeah. Football League. So <laughs> yeah. good for yeah, changing the name so. on, 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 yeah. Um, where was I going with that? I got off on a tangent now. Um, it's it's weird, man, because I think I saw like a couple of those guys when I was living back in Weyburn for a, a good bit of the last year during that pandemic. I would go just to the, one of the local gyms and I'd see a lot of those guys. And it, it's weird being an adult now because high school kids, they just seem underdeveloped in my own mind because I'm so used to working out with the grown men and seeing other yeah 
grown men who go to the gym a lot, right? They seem underdeveloped, but when you look at, I looked at the, the, you see that win and then you look at the team picture and stuff, I guess for high school kids, they have some big boys playing on the line. They have some good looking athletes on that team. So, I mean, I guess I shouldn't really be surprised when I think about it that they've turned it on like they have, man. It's inspiring to hear that you see those guys in the gym because I know when I was playing high school football, geez, there wasn't a lot of our team that was going to the gym. I'll say myself included. I was not hitting the gym that often. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was, but there was only three or four of us that were, right? Exactly. So it's reassuring to see that there are players on that Weyburn Eagles team that are committed. That's Um, good. Absolutely. Yeah. And paid off, right? Yep. And I I saw them going in this game against Saskatoon Bishop Mahoney, and I was like, that's a tough matchup. I didn't know. And this team has just proven every everyone who has the slightest bit of doubt out about them wrong. Yeah. So I mean, they play Friday night. Good luck. To yes. Them. They, if, uh, they beat those green all Griffins pretty good. And they yes. bring home the five, eight title. If you're in Regina, maybe you're in Regina for the Ryder game this weekend. Maybe you're there a day early. Maybe you can head out to Lytle field at six o'clock to see the Weyburn Eagles take on the green all, what is it? What are they? What the are they? Green all Griffins, aren't they? Green all Griffins, I believe. The green all yeah. Griffins at six o'clock in the Saskatchewan 5A Provincial Championship game. Let's go, Eagles. Go, Eagles, you bet. Go, Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Fly like an eagle. <laughs> I think that's a great place to leave it. You got anything else to talk about? Um, if we don't be careful about these, I'm gonna have to, I sing a lot more than I realize. So we're gonna have to be careful with the booth going forward to put like, Hey, stop singing guy. You know, (laughs) we're going to get demonetized from Kyle singing here. I think so. (laughs) Not that we're, yeah, we're making so much monetization off these podcasts, aren't we? Yeah. you, You know, fat stacks in the pocket. That's us. So. Yes. Um, yes. So as always, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the booth. EC. buy your merch, stay tuned, stay tuned, more content, more content. We got a, a video from uh Prairie pro wrestling uh, two weekends ago now coming out real soon. It's some great interviews with some of the wrestlers, Davey O'Doyle included. It's a great time. Great time. Uh, buy your merch, buy your merch. I already said that, but. Yes. Christmas is coming up. Keep your ears uh, open. Keep your ears open. More podcasts, of course, coming. NFL, NHL. Just stay hungry, stay ready. Get the merch, follow the socials, and uh, be ready to talk more sports. Let's go. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>